Now, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. You're listening to the inaugural episode of Black Lodge Games Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be introducing ourselves, uh, talking a little bit about what the Black Lodge Games project is, how we came together, and what you can do to make your games better. And why Absolutely. all the current games out there suck balls. You are not kidding on that, and that is going to be... I think how we should start off this uh, this inaugural episode, this uh, grand new adventure into uh, into the gaming podcast scene, a little bit about how you and I both both met. I am uh, Nick Guadotti. I'm Matt Pritchard. I'm part here. Matt yeah. Pritchard, absolutely. And, um, yeah, how long have we known each other, Matt? I think it's... Uh... It's been probably like almost nine years uh, because I think we met around the yeah. time that I started making videos on this channel uh, before my grand, you know, eight year hiatus or however long it was. But it's been a long time um, and it doesn't always feel that way. But uh, we met back in the day when a friend of ours released an RPG called uh, Within the Ring of Fire, which you can see several uh, sagas and of uh, play of that game on this channel uh, should you choose to go back and look through the catalog um, but there was um, I think at the time really what, what kind of kicked it off was there was this kind of community on YouTube that I think was called like the RPG uh, YouTube Brigade or something like that That's and there right. was a couple of like um, large gaming projects that were going on but uh, what it came down to was they ran kind of an online convention um, I don't know if this, I know it happened at least twice. Uh, I'd be interested to go back and see if, if that yes. actually continued. Um, but I had an idea for a kind of uh, near future science fiction game that I'd wanted to run for a while. Um, and I just, you know, uh, allowed people, you know, you sign up, you say, I'm running this game, and then people are just able to sign up. Uh, you don't really get to choose your players. So it was... Um, I was a little worried that I might get some knuckleheads, uh, but for the most part, I got some great players. And I remember uh, when we got to your opening scene, we had never talked in person. We just communicated a little bit about like uh, who's your character, briefly. very, very briefly, just for this, yeah, uh, this one shot, which yeah. is what it was built. It was as. exactly. It was just a one shot. This was not going to be a campaign. This is like a. This is a. Uh, two and a half hour, three hour movie, you know, that's being made and that's it. Right. Um, and the second you opened your mouth uh, in your opening scene, I was like, oh, thank God, this guy's good. Like <laughs> the game's not going to suck. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and and that's that's exactly what lit, lit that fire. And that's a big reason. I think that that moment of, of recognition uh, more than anything else of like minds is, is yeah. sort of what is bringing us here because like you said at at that time there was kind of a renaissance happening in the gaming scene certainly online google google hangouts yeah. uh, was the the medium of choice back when it was easier to do that on on youtube and there were a lot of new faces new voices coming yeah. to the hobby that were talking about uh, among other things immersion role play uh, Roleplay focused uh, gaming, bringing that excitement, bringing that cinematic flair, bringing yourself away from the table, away from the top-down view of things, into that character. And that's really what we're trying to do here, and what we, I, I think, giving some some examples of uh, of where we've where we've been. Uh, unfortunately, that scene kind of died down yeah. uh, along with a lot of things with the adpocalypse uh one of you know one of one, one of, of many one of many adpocalypses that happen changes in the algorithm um exactly yeah but there you're right at the time there was kind of this like nascent movement on youtube uh with kind of like-minded gamers for people who are looking to get a little bit more out of their role-playing games than simply you know sitting down and cracking some beers with your friends and cracking jokes the whole time um I think coincidentally, that was probably around the time that uh, Critical Role started, uh, you know, which is the most successful D&D &D game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes millions of dollars on Twitch every year. I think it was like nine or ten million dollars a year or something like absurd. Yeah, um, it's, it's wild. It's very wild. 
So, but at that same time, like you were saying, there was uh, a lot of people who were starting to play online and the kind of the complaint that all of us had was that finding games locally was very difficult, you know, cause you were limited by your geography and by your social circle of like who wanted to play or you had so. to do like the worst thing ever, which is just go jump into a game at a game shop with <laughs> whoever's there and whoever's running a game. And it was just like, I've done that one time. I think it was, uh, the, <laughs> it was the day that, uh, they dropped fourth edition D and D and everybody at that table hated the game. Um, like we, I think we had like a total party kill. Like we're uh, like the rules were so uh, like irritating and did not support yeah. any sort of role play whatsoever. Um, but yeah, people were coming online and starting these games like over Google plus and Google hangouts. And at the time there were like plugins you could add to that. Yeah. That would like give you dice rolling and like, there was some kind of cool tools. I think it was also probably uh, when Roll20 started becoming uh, more popular as well. Um, yes, very much so. But like with everything with the internet, it allowed a lot of these kind of disparate people to uh, to find each other on the internet and find kind of the gaming style that we were looking for um, and are still unfortunately looking for because it has not, uh, not yes. taken over. But that is, like you said, an immersive style. It's a game where you take things a little bit more seriously than simply like, oh, I can't wait to get my, my critical hits in and make jokes and make the DM angry at how I feet. broke his game. You know, I'm going to realize my character build. Right. I'm going exactly. to get that plus four bonus. Yeah. I'm exactly. going to acquire that magical item, not for its description, not for the story that it's told, but for the power and the DPS that it does. Right. Um, and yeah, at that time it, felt like yeah there was a a new resurgence a, a desire to bring that forward but unfortunately like you said like so many so many dreams uh, yeah. and so many uh, internet fads um that scene has kind of died down and with it a lot of the focus and the drive the motivation to bring an immersive style to the game to the way that you play, to the way that you run as a GM, yeah. uh, to even considering uh, how systems interact with the world, with right. the role play. How, how um, they support or hinder role play. Yes. And so unfortunately, while a lot of new voices have come, uh, come forward and a lot of, you mentioned critical role, critical role, there's a thousand and one different clones of Critical Role. Yeah. And they all look exactly the same. Yeah. They all are very much exactly the same, trying to copy the success of Critical Role. But maybe they would have a chance of succeeding if they had any kind of passion or real focus beyond production value. Right. Um, production value is great, but that's not what this hobby, this activity from our perspective, is about at all. Yeah, or, I mean, that's, what it can yes. be, you know? And so, I mean, I guess that's actually a good question to ask, is what do you mean when you're talking about an immersive style of roleplay versus a yeah. non-immersive game? Yeah, it's one of these words, like roleplay itself, which is used and bandied about by everybody. Um, and yet it seems like every single person you ask, what is roleplay, what is immersive... Uh, role play what is immersion itself you get a th you get a different answer um from my perspective immersion is looking at playing as role playing your character from that character's perspective as closely as you can beyond the simple facts of the mechanics on the sheet try to actually envision yourself as a human or an elf or whatever it is you're you're doing as a person in a world faced with these situations and let the story and let your own actions flow accordingly from that are you a courageous person are you going to get involved are you more cowardly or more meek from a sheltered background that's going to affect that's going to change drastically whether you have whether you and I, let's say, are both playing to use a D and D term, 
you know, a f both third-level fighters, vastly different characters in really every sense of the word. Yeah. And when you don't look at it that way, you lose what is interesting, what's engaging. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think you had a good uh, uh, point in a conversation we had had previously about these moments yeah. of of immersion that ha happen no matter what kind of style. Um, yeah, it's like you almost, even if you have like the, if your game is the ultimate stereotype of a Dungeons and Dragons session, you know, it's the Dr. Demento radio sketch where <laughs> the guy's like, where's the Mountain Dew? If there's any chicks there, I want to do them. You know, even if you're having the, like, what I would consider like the lowest form of a role-playing experience, you can't help but stumble across these moments in the game where, you know, you get engaged and there's there's some sort of basically kind of like storytelling magic that happens. Um, there's an example of this. I uh, can't remember the guy's name. It's like Brennan something, but he's one of these guys who runs one of these very successful uh, YouTube game sh uh, games, but he's always it's a comedy game. Uh, but he had this uh, discussion where he was talking about how he was running a game for uh, newbies who had never played a role-playing game in their life, and they befriend this character who's like a witch, and it's kind of like a fairy tale-esque setting. Switch is very nice to them, and uh, they have this wonderful experience, and they leave, and then a couple hours later in the game, when they come back, they find her body hanging from a tree, and the local villagers had had basically like lynched this 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 witch who was uh, you know the, the source of their problems or whatever. And he said that all of his players got stone faced. You know, they had just been cracking jokes and having fun, and they were like, "We have to make them pay." And it's like those moments where people find the kind of like storytelling power of this hobby you can't avoid them they happen no matter what and from our perspective the fun of the game is not getting in and slaying monsters and getting treasure and uh you know be, being super badass for me in particular I, and i think you agree with this is that that moment of when you feel stone-faced when you are engrossed so much in that story that you kind of like lose yourself in this moment for uh, for just this brief span of time, that's the fun. Like that's the peak that you want to get to. And yes. so, what we want is to have that moment as many times as we can in a single game, mm -hmm. and keep the duration of that moment going. And so that kind exactly. of it requires from your GM and your players to kind of take the game a little bit seriously. Um, and I'm not against people, you know, just sitting around and cracking jokes. If this is just like your so, your way of like socializing, whatever, that's fine. Whatever. The problem is that that is what is portrayed as this is role playing games. It's everybody sitting around and trying to get yeah. one over on the GM, and and uh, we're gonna be as funny as possible, just like the people on Critical Role. They're making jokes. Um, and it also helps if you're funny, by the way, to make jokes. If you're not funny, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a big problem. Um, but again, like I said, like that's like the lowest form of the experience for me. And the products that are made now and the YouTube content in particular that's made around Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games in yes. general is all about that. It's about trying to dumb it down into the Dr. Demento sketch. Um, and it's just frankly sickening to watch <laughs> it really it really is and and not only is that the consensus not only is that the portrayal of what the hobby is what you should be doing and what you should be trying to shoot for <clears throat> what you should be striving for as a gm or as a player there's an increasingly not only antagonistic but but vitriolic response to any kind of um, quality or any kind of striving, any kind of goal of doing more than just hanging around, eating Doritos, you know, guzzling down your Mountain Dew with your friends around a table, not caring, rolling dice, forgetting the rules, forgetting your character. Yeah. Oh, man, that um, pisses me off so much. And it's, it's terrible. It's terrible because this... This hobby could be so much more. This activity 
could and should be so much more fulfilling, so much yeah. more exciting and engaging. Um, and it, it really is revolting. It really is insulting. Uh, the, um, what would you say? The, the aggression uh, or the name-calling uh, for those few people, and it seems fewer every day, who want to suggest, why don't you try? Why don't you try a little bit more for that? Wasn't that fun? Isn't that the memorable quality? Right. Isn't that the fun, quote-unquote, that you should be trying to keep chasing, like you said? And that's what we hope to be discussing in this podcast, along with a number of other things. Why yeah. that makes sense, how you can do it, what considerations you might take into account. Right. Uh, I think that the entire kind of, uh, I guess we can call this a project at the moment, uh, the Black Lodge Games project is we essentially feel and know that we are on a mission from God to fix this hobby not to deconstruct this in some sort of cynical way but oh. to, to to reconstruct it from this its foundations it is a reconstruction to to get these games to be what they always should have turned into and should have been and should be um which is an immersive storytelling uh improvisational storytelling game i guess i, I mean it is a game in a sense but at the same time, like the the for me, the big part of it is that you're you're telling these cool stories and you're coming up with them on the fly. And if you're in the moment, you know, it has a lot more impact. And because you Oh yeah. If you can like get enough into character that you are invested in the stakes that you know, whatever's going on in the game or with uh in you know, the the particular storyline that your character is involved in, then your game is going to kind of soar to new heights and you're going to get those memorable moments. That's, that's the thing is I have so many of these memorable moments from different games. Uh, yeah. And some of the games were bad and some of them were great. Were frankly like fantastic. Um, but those are the things that have stuck out to me for over the course of like 25 years of doing this. And I want to continue to have those things. Um, and it's really kind of unfortunate because like even look like we've been looking back at some of the older uh, like D&D products because uh, like I have not played fifth edition. Um, I probably won't, but I've been looking back at like AD&D second edition. And even back then, like there's not any advice on how to role play in those books. It's literally no. just here's how you make a character. These are the rules for each class. Um, and they kind of just left it up to everybody to figure out you know, what was the point of the game? And mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a testament to, you know, people playing those games and who were really uh, in, invested in like fantasy literature at the time that they, they did, they did take it into the, into the realm of storytelling. Um, but it's, uh, it's not something that has really been pushed forward on a game level for a very long time. And that's not true of all games. Like you look at like the White Wolf games uh, in particular, like I'm a huge fan of Vampire the Masquerade and Requiem and mm -hmm. all of those games. Like those are more built towards the sort of immersive style that we know and uh, we know and love and that we've we spend our days trying to 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 create. Um, but the simple fact is Dungeons and Dragons is it is role playing as far as most people are are concerned. It is the hobby. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to that point, certainly the freedom that was more explicit in those earlier products, that is great, um, and certainly preferable to a lot of what you see coming down the product pipeline these days from, you know, your major RPG publishing houses, uh, Wizards of the Coast, to, I guess, a much lesser extent these days, Paizo, um, really, those are the two big players, and yeah. I don't even know what how Paizo ranks these these days. But you know, to your point about the what this hobby could have and should have been, nothing is being uh, put forth in that regard in terms of specific advice or 
talked about in the what would you say the dialogue mm-hmm. about these these different products and so i think explaining not only why but how is going to be a a, a big portion of what uh, certainly at the beginning we're going to be talking about here and making it clear because it really hasn't been clear um yeah. i alluded to at the beginning everyone has a different definition of role play it seems uh, some people yeah. might think just talking in so-called funny voices is role playing just showing up is role playing um getting uh familiarity with your mechanical um aspects of your character that's role play these are all part of what role play is but it's not really the focus um those moments or those focuses aren't going to get you those moments as quickly or as often as you would otherwise like uh, and i think probably a good uh, topic of conversation for the future will be maybe sharing some of those moments that you and i have had oh, in yeah. many many different different games um you know that would be i th- i think very help very helpful for a lot of people to um explain uh, oh, yeah. sort of where we're coming from here absolutely and i think uh, also we've discussed this already but you know we're also going to be putting our money where our mouth is and, and streaming raw well, I can't say this because this is our friend's brand name, but raw immersive <laughs> games, for lack of a better uh, turn of phrase, Indeed. there. Um, yeah, so I mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're gonna make some great, some really awesome sagas and campaigns in various game lines. Got a lot of plans for those, which is super exciting. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, like uh, we're definitely gonna talk about that that sort of a thing. But um, I guess the kind of most interesting part of this was how kind of like gelled our own philosophies were on this when we were talking about yeah. it. Cause we like over the last year or so we'd get on the phone we talk for like two, three hours about this stuff and uh, yeah. you know, sharing videos of, of the, just the like monumental cringe. Absolute state, the yeah. absolute devastation. Yeah. The absolute state of the hobby, you know, the sludge that is being pushed out. Um, and it's really uh, like fascinating to me because role playing is now like like socially acceptable, <laughs> you know. Like yeah. it's it's basically like cool uh, online in nerd culture. Whereas previously it was like when I was playing this in high school, it was not cool. It was not no. cool at all. Uh, it did not win you lots of friends to be into Dungeons and Dragons or these other <laughs> various games. Um, and now it's it's almost like it's taken these incredibly low status like freaks uh and and given them this social capital um which is like very very bizarre to me that this has happened yes um and and like you said finding someone with a common uh philosophy a, a a common worldview or common interest and focus on on this this hobby which we are both incredibly passionate at uh or about because of this you know this dragon that we're both trying to keep chasing mm-hmm. um is is so rare uh, and it can be very demoralizing right um, and and i would like to say to any of you out there yes. who like an immersive style who are disgusted with the the sludge that's being pumped out you're not alone and no. There are others out there that want those moments in those games, and we're gonna help. We're gonna help bring those. Yes, exactly. Um, because this, uh, you know, that the quality uh, that 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 gold uh, cannot be cannot be denied, and uh, and and will come to the forefront very soon. Make no mistake about that. Um, but yes, yeah, talking about the. You know the conversations we've had, um, especially over the, like you said, the last, the last year. Um, it really is an interesting kind of development because, with the increase in number of voices, 
uh, and the the gain of social popularity, the social capital uh, that a lot of these low 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 status individuals and low status efforts monsters. <laughs> <laughs> loathsome fiends and monsters, uh, to be sure, uh, and, and make make no mistake, um, it's reduced the barrier of entry to such a degree that any voice that is the loudest or the most numerous um, that defines the narrative, um, and, it, and it defines and that, what what the direction of the market for you know the market, the products, yeah. What types of things are, are 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 put forth? Settings, publications, adventure modules, whatever the case may be, and you know that model has been increasingly more uniform. Yeah, which is um, very unfortunate. You don't see um, certainly not very many um, auteur or uh, off the beaten path publications, no. and when you do, certainly they do happen. The rise of self-publication is a great thing. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but that is not what uh, receives recognition. Perhaps yeah, occasionally, for I mean, I mean, splash in the pan or a flavor of the month sort of thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and it's the difference is like I I think that you know the internet completely turns the public publishing industry upside down, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of the, you know, the business models that existed previously were like you, you and I could go to a bookstore and they would have a section with all the RPG games that were popular and then being played. It was a lot of D and D stuff, but you had all the games, like you could get stuff for GURPS, uh, anything that's made by like Palladium, White Wolf, like they were all there. You did have a lot of options and, there was uh, seemingly some diversity uh, there. Um, now that we have self-publishing, you do get like really interesting and weird projects. I've played some of them and they're awesome. Uh, like the two, my two favorite games of the last 10 years have been these little indie projects. Um, they, they exist and they're out there. They're extraordinarily niche though. They're not sitting there next to D&D in the bookstore. Right. When you go on YouTube and you look up tabletop role-playing games, it's just Dungeons and Dragons. That's it. Right. It's like it's it's Hasbro, you know, and it's their product, and that's basically what people associate with the entire uh, the entire hobby now. Yeah, yeah, and you're not going to find these things in you know, a hundred thousand different publications and drive through RPG unless you already know about them. Right. If you know to um, look for it. Right. And so that's that's also a big part of what uh what we're gonna be trying to do is gain a uh a, a louder voice in in this uh dialogue here. Uh, perhaps uh, converse with some other people who, who who comment on on the hobby in time if there is an interest in that. Oh yeah. Um but, or even um, showcasing certain these indie publications, or even the larger. You mentioned Vampire the Requiem, Vampire Masquerade. Yeah. Um, how do these systems, these worlds, these products help or hinder that immersive style yeah. uh, of, of of play here? Because um, there really have been a number of great um publications yeah, you mentioned a couple of your favorites um one of my i'm kind of awestruck by it i haven't had an opportunity to really put it through its paces but there's a french game which was translated into english via kickstarter i believe several years ago by the name of uh shadows of esterin i believe the name of the company is agate press um that is a product which built every letter, every piece of art, the way in which the book itself is laid out is specifically tailored to evoke a very, very specific feel, a very specific tone, and a certain milieu and a particular genre um, that is certainly not your watered-down high fantasy, so-called. Right. Um, so... 
that is, yeah, there is absolutely hope there for those who are, have an interest, uh, or who have felt those moments occasionally at that table where you're all eating your Doritos and you're guzzling your, 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 your beer, but yeah, yeah, you need not just consume. Right, exactly. Because that's the thing is that you can be better than that. You, you can, you know, play a more interesting game and be a more interesting player and a more interesting GM. Um, and yeah, I definitely want to check. I, I remember thumbing through Shadows of Estrin and being like, this seems like right up my alley, uh, but haven't yeah. had a chance to, to play or run it yet. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we keep talking about it. What, what are some of the... What, what is role-playing to you? I think I had given a, um, a, a very brief um, sort of response to that inquiry uh, towards the beginning of the episode, mm -hmm. and we're going to be uh, dedicating certain episodes to the question because it's a, it's a huge question. Yeah. That, yeah, there, there are certain topics in the tabletop um, community which continue to crop up uh, again and again, year after year, and and for good reason because they're they're sort of fundamental questions to yeah. anyone uh, either coming into the hobby or um, rediscovering it or uh, getting a different perspective. Even people perhaps joining a different gaming group and being exposed to different temperaments around the table or behind the GM screen, as the case may be. What is role play? How many videos have been put forth in the past 10 years that are basically dealing with with that um and frustratingly there has not been certainly to my satisfaction a good answer that question is always approached it seems to me and answered at an angle or obliquely yeah it's i mean it's a tough it is a tough question to answer so i Yes, it's I, I understand why the, the answers haven't really been that satisfying. Um, and it's probably something that we're going to have to talk about a lot uh, on this podcast. But yes, it's uh, for me, role playing basically is like it is telling a collaborative story. And if you're a player, uh, I guess from the perspective of the player, uh, it is cre trying to create not even I'm not even going to say convincing, but just an authentic character and mm. being engaged as that character and you know actually using your imagination um and trying to use your imagination to play that character and and shape the story um without needing reference to you know like fucking miniatures or any of these any of these yeah. toys basically uh and i'm not against <clears throat> toys toys are cool uh <laughs> but they don't they don't help me get into character they don't help me realize this vision this like really cool thing that's going on in my head this 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 flashing imagery that's happening when i'm playing a game um that doesn't come for me on you know a battle mat you know that that very much no. limits the the scope of what I'm I'm thinking about so really it is I think it's it's about trying to have some sort of authenticity with it and some sort of um just like I've, I said earlier you know taking it seriously and and pretending to be someone else that's that's what it comes down to you are pretending to be someone else um, but actually doing that and it's a lot more fun to you know actually pretend and and be in character than saying my character attacks the orc or my character says this it's like just say it just say it in the voice that you think your character would have yeah. you know and have a have an actual conversation it's it's almost like I've, i see a lot of people like narrating like everything they're doing as opposed to actually like playing it out um and to a certain right. extent you have to do that you, you know you can't be like mm -hmm. i you know i i stab someone in the, in the gut with my sword you can't really play that out unless you're unless, of course, you're going into the world of LARP, which we're not touching <laughs> uh, <laughs> with with a 10 foot boffer weapon. But um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, for me, it's 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 about being engaged in and 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 entering that world of imagination um, and and taking it seriously and not being afraid to take it seriously and and 
Um, it feels yeah, it feels goofy and uncomfortable when you do it at first. And sometimes even when I start running a new game, every time it, it you know, it feels a little goofy at first. Um, but that's the exact same way that I felt when I was, whenever I did plays or anything like that in the past. Uh, but you get through that and then you get into a little bit of that authentic territory and that's when like magic starts happening. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. <clears throat> and you, you bring up a, a good and interesting point in referencing the miniatures, the battle mats, the mm -hmm. other aspects, which are indeed part of the activity. Oh yeah. Right? And they're part of the DNA of the activity is, is right. Part of the problem. It's war, yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need to have some eugenics uh, yeah. on. <laughs> on yeah. We need, there's, there's some, uh, <laughs> we need to make some, some dominant uh, genes recessive yeah. real fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. It, the hobby came out of a wargaming background. Um, you know, like you referenced at the beginning of the episode, not much forethought or uh, explicit information as to what it would mean to take a different perspective from, you know, your sort of invisible general uh, commanding troops and battalions on right. on a, a, a tabletop to narrowing it down, taking it down more ground level to an individual in this scene, in this space. <clears throat> that we're putting together. So a lot of that, to varying degrees, depending on the system, depending on the era of the game, have more of that. Um, and the the connection with mechanics, imagination and mechanics, that's that's there's always going to be some kind of a I don't want to say a contention, but the, there, there's going to be an interaction mm -hmm. um, to some degree with, with those aspects. But frequently, you, you might hear so many uh, someone say, well, I, I get enjoyment from the miniatures. I get enjoyment from my, from my toys. Yeah. Or from, uh, I, I like looking at the activity, or I like looking at my character from a tactical background. Or I like narrating rather than getting into character. Mm -hmm. These are aspects of what some people might call role play and these are aspects of playing in the game but they are certainly with D&D &D, as an example fundamentally different activities that are being brought together under an umbrella yes. and that's called the role the role playing game and so we think to ourselves well it's role playing game and role, role playing games have this sort of mysterious, ephemeral definition called roleplay. I don't really know what it means, but I kind of have a vague understanding of what most people mean when they say it. There's attributes on my character sheet. I have hit points. Uh, if I'm playing D&D &D or uh, a different system that uses them, I have miniatures and I have battle mats and I have mechanics for you know, negotiating that that kind of a terrain. But that's from my perspective, a very different activity. And it's only artificially brought together. Those things don't have to be there. It's like, if you imagine playing a, a, a video game, I don't want to get into, into video games too much, but it's an apt example, I think. Um, a lot of people might remember these very evocative, uh, a cutscene or a moment of dialogue between two characters. And then you might have a quick time event where you have the actual mechanics of play yeah. with your buttons and you're doing the, the tactics. They're two separate things. The enjoyment that you get and the the flow that you're in, they're different, they're different things. And so I think there's kind of a false um, conjunction or there's a false association that need not be there. And I think that's a, a huge part of the problem when people are trying to define what it is they 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 consider quote-unquote fun or what they imagine when they're trying to um, define role-play. They might think, well, I, I, I really do like role-playing my character, but I also really like uh, the tactical aspect, or I yeah. like building my character. Fair enough. Um but liking one thing or not liking another does not, you know, it's not, they're not mutually, or they are mutually exclusive, I should say. Um, 
And I think the the confused opinions to the contrary are a big part of why this whole topic is so um, ill-defined yeah. and, and vague. I don't know what you think about that. I actually, uh, you kind of, you said something that made me have kind of an interesting thought on um, people enjoying the the tactical nature of it. And I was kind of thinking of like the people who, they're like, I like narrating it. I'm kind of wondering, have you seen this thing where like apparently less than 50% of people out in the world have an inner monologue? Yeah, I've, I've heard that. You've, you've seen yes. this and like yes. there's, there's people who can't visualize things. Uh, like they can't, it's not even, not even like, you know, the shape rotator meme. It's like they literally, they have trouble <laughs> like envisioning something in their I mind. I can't like imagine a picture. I'm wondering if a lot of that is why some of these people it in, might be. like playing these, these mini games because it's like, they're literally NPCs. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> the, like the lights are on, but no one's yeah. home. You know, there's, there, there is no imaginative no aspect because I, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I was talking about the cool thing that's going on inside my head. And then I remembered, I was like, not everybody has that, <laughs> you know, like, which is yeah. to me, that is a tragedy. And maybe, maybe that does explain some of this, uh, the, the fascination with, you know, with, with the minis, but, but to your point, like, I do think, uh, you're right. Like the, I don't think that there is, that there is necessarily conflict between having rules that adjudicate actions and, and these things. And, you know, the more imaginative part of, of role play. Cause like I do, I've tried some games that are, that have like diceless mechanics and I don't like diceless mechanics. They generally like it. Agreed. I, you need some level of kind of objective randomness to adjudicate disputes, but also like that adds in to the drama because you don't know, like if you're going to get some sort of like critical failure or like exceptional success on something, mm -hmm. um, it adds and it, it adds to the tension of what's going on because it does, it provides something that where there is this like unknown. Um, so I don't, I don't think that, I think it, it, in a lot of cases it can, it can harm role play for sure. If you uh, have a, a rule system that is like totally simulation based, get me yeah. out of there. Like I would rather, yeah. you know, unalive myself than, than <laughs> cause we're not going to use the, the YouTube unfriendly terms. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather do that than play in that game. Cause I hate that. But at the same time, I don't like totally completely freeform um, nonsense. And it's like the mechanics, like I, th I think in uh, a lot of games, like, Mechanics do kind of matter to whatever the setting and the game type and, and theme that you're you're playing in. They do kind of shape in a, in a way. Uh, they put they put limitations and parameters on things. Um, yeah, and that's actually very good for creativity. I think so. Um, I'm not one of these people that is totally against you know having you know against rules as such. But I do fall much, much farther on that side of the the spectrum than than liking the more simulation based stuff because the 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 kind of simulation based stuff that is the early DNA of this hobby. You know, it, it comes out of the the wargaming and Gygax uh, and the others bring it down to the single character. But their rules for that are still like all of the supporting materials in the D and D games are like about movement and combat and and the turns of actions and how this happens like i uh everyone has recommended to me read the manual of the planes you know it's one of these the great gems of the old uh advanced dungeons and dragons books and i opened it and i started flipping through it and i was like why are they talking about the gravity in this plane like you know <laughs> and then we were talking the other day um looking at old D and D settings on Wikipedia. And we looked at like, I think it was Greyhawk. It's like the first one. And it's like, Greyhawk was Gary Gygax's, uh, you know, homebrew D and D campaign. It's the default world for D and D. The axial tilt of the planet of Greyhawk is 30 yeah. degrees. And it's like, Holy oh shit. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. my God, I don't care. Like this has nothing to do with what I want to yeah. do in the game. Like how, yeah. why does that affect anything that I'm doing? <laughs> right. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. And I, I think you know, to, to bring it back to 
you know this this notion of what is role play and 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 what is it about and why do it and you know it it is a huge topic and i think it bears it bears an episode at some point talking about bre- breaking this down because there's there's a number of ways to, to tackle it i uh, um you have methods of role play you know uh, I talk in the third person. I talk in the first person. I, I you know, uh, I, I ask questions or I don't ask questions of of the GM. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some people feel very very strongly about Mother May I. Um, what is the role of uh, description? Um, you know, which is which can't be first personed uh, in the description of your character or the description of a scene, um, either if you're the player and have been given agency by the GM to take take creative control, or if you are the GM, and certainly role play from a GM's perspective and a, a player's perspective is going to be very different, uh, um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't manifest the same the same way. At least not not how I understand. I think you know you and I yeah. have talked about this, but all those pieces of window dressing aside. I'll say even for for the purposes of this conversation, res- irrespective of what you your preference is or what you're most comfortable in in terms of your narration or in terms of you know how 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 you're trying to make this moment happen for you, more than anything else, it's the intention. What am I trying yeah. to do with this time that I have? Four hours, two hours hopefully not that short but right you know am i trying as best i can to get into that character's shoes and to be him or her yeah i know i completely agree with that and i think that's the biggest difference between like uh the kind the style of game that we like and what is presented as what is D online and, and role-playing games uh more generally um is that i think most people look at this as like oh i'm gonna go have some fun with my friends and it is it is very much implicitly just this kind of social get together it's like playing board games it's like playing board games but a little more specific you know um we're gonna but it's gonna have a little bit of a story to it and we're gonna but we're gonna kill monsters in this stuff whereas for me i'm like that's that's not what i'm there for like i'm there for for drama and storytelling and you know Epic, epic stories and uh, epic, epic stories of success and failure, rises and falls of empires, uh, you know, mm-hmm. romance and and betrayal and death and all the things that we love in literature and movies that exists in this space in uh, in a unique way that you get to experience. You don't get to experience movies in the same way that you get to experience a role playing game because in a role playing game. You're in it. You are a participant. You are, you know, whether it's, you know, Jon Snow or uh, Tywin Lannister. Yeah. You get to be that and you get to direct what's going on with that character. And there's really nothing like it. Like the when you get that immersive experience, you get hooked. And like I I crave it and I never, ever want to go back to. Yeah, this being can't just go back. board. I can't wouldn't go back to this just being board game night, you know. And I like board games, yeah. but it's a they're different things. They're different things, uh, you know. Tennis, volleyball, and ping pong are all games with uh, fields of play, yeah. nets, and spheres that you're trying yeah. to pass. They're very different games. Uh, very different activities. Um, you know, no one would confuse. <clears throat> no one would confuse the three. Exactly. And, you know, that's. Yeah, you bring up another. We're we're gonna have to dedicate an episode uh, uh, to it. You bring up a, a a point, the topic, or the the. What would you say? The mantra, you know, the uh, the catechism uh, of of the modern perception and uh, ideology of the of of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just here to have fun. Right. Wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Absolutely You're wrong. Absolutely dead wrong. That's uh, not why we're here. <laughs> this 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 activity is not about getting together and just having fun and switching right. your brain off. Uh, 
you bring up very compelling characters uh, that uh, countless people know about, uh, spend way too much time thinking about, but yeah. uh, you know, Jon Snow, Tywin Lannister, Game of Thrones, um, Gandalf, you know, Lord, Lord of the right. Rings. Pick, pick your Star Wars. You know, Luke Skywalker. Pick whatever it is, whatever genre. Johnny Silverhand. None of these people in those stories, in the shows, were having fun. If you're here to try and emulate that, uh, I want to be Jon Snow for my character. I want to be mm. as close. John, the experience of Jon Snow was a miserable Misery, existence. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're playing a game like Wraith the Oblivion, mm -hmm. if you're doing it right, if you're doing it that is in keeping with the spirit of that genre and of that game, you're not having fun per se. Yeah, not in the way that it's colloquially defined. Not in the way it's colloquially defined, exactly. It's, it's that, like, the fun is that you get in the character and you get the drama out of it you know like i have fun watching movies like i, I love horror movies i love dramas um right. it's like think about watching like um the uh like boardwalk empire you know it was a fantastic show um, amazing show. that's not a fun show you no. know it's a lot of people get hurt um there's a lot of really really awful stuff that happens in that it is entertaining. Like I enjoy watching it, but I'm not sitting there just like, man, that was like such a fun game, you know, like that. It's like, right. I'm, I'm there because I'm, I'm getting to experience this drama and vicariously through watching these characters, I get to, you know, uh, experience the tension and the fear and the, uh, the, you know, the, the release that these characters have when something good happens. Like it's because it, it, it brings those feelings internally for you and in a role-playing game, for in, so that's fun watching it in that sense. That's what I want. And it's the same thing that I want from a role-playing game because I'm getting to participate in that drama. And I'm getting to participate in the not knowing where this is going and, and experiencing right. that tension. And that, for me, is the fun. And so it's not fun in, you know, in, the, in the way that it's presented online in all of this horseshit Dungeons & Dragons videos that are out yeah. there. That we will be bringing on, and we, we will, will be, be dissecting, uh, and in in full, it'll be like autopsies on these things. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to do that. But uh, yeah, that is not house. what the game is about. All right, <laughs> you're doing wrong. it wrong. Yeah, exactly. You are doing it wrong. <laughs> you are doing it wrong. There is a bad way to play. Yes, there's a bad uh, way to play, and the, and you're cheating yourself out of something so much better than yeah. than what you're doing. You're right. cheating yourself exactly. out of it because you have you haven't tried at all. Because this is not even a topic that for the most part, outside of certain games, certain game lines, none of this is at the forefront in the material for the consumer. You know, it's all like uh you can be an elf and here are the different classes and it's it's all it's so boring. That was it's the other so thing boring. that like the cause I, I have been like I said, I've never played fifth edition, but I was reading the fifth edition uh, player's handbook and I was reading the second edition player's handbook and I was like, this is basically the same. Like they, the product has not evolved. Like the, I know like the rules are different that like whatever, we're not dealing with Thacos anymore. We have ascending AC. Uh, right. But that's not what I'm talking about in the fact that like yeah. it hasn't changed. It has not changed in the fact that it's still not about role playing. Yeah. It, it's amazing that, you know, I think I, They've been around for like I 50 years now. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I some some CEO I don't recall had a you know had a, a, a I'll I'll butcher it, but you know the, the the spirit of the quote was something to the effect of you know, um, there's no value in hiring someone who has 30 years of experience because there's no, uh, there, there's no guarantee they just weren't fucking it up for 30 years, um, and that is yeah. that is the case. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, astonishing, uh, truly. Yeah, uh, but we are we are here to change that. Right, exactly, uh, and we will be changing it. Yeah, we will be kicking and screaming, come hell or high water. The choice is not up to you. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's you know it, it's it's very telling. Um, 
I have played 5th edition. Mm -hmm. I played it for a, a fairly long uh, campaign of uh, Dragonlance. Mm -hmm. Dragonlance, I, I, I could talk for hours about Dragonlance. That's the the D&D setting I know most. I read the books when I was in 5th or 6th grade. Um, very fond memories of uh, and, and, a, and a, a close affinity with, with that world. And that is a world very much more than any other, I would say, um, to my understanding of, of uh, at least the core D&D settings. <clears throat> that has um, very firm demands. Uh, and it was very evident uh, almost immediately that the philosophy of fifth edition which is written very plainly in the rules and in 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 the way in which the game is presented yeah that these things are not compatible uh in any way shape or form you i i know i know wizards of the coast has a um uh a, a dragonlance um adventure or whatever uh right right now and they have they have stats or rules for your knights of salamnia your wizards of high sorcery etc etc um it, it won't work it won't work in this um in this milieu you have to as with all things have limitations your point on creativity uh creativity um mastery fulfillment, excitement, those things can only be achieved when you adhere to certain rules. It's not, let's just get together and, you know, yeah. switch our minds off. Yeah. You're going to have the excitement of a cow uh, by by doing, doing that. If you really want to see what you're capable of in your games as, for your characters in your groups um adhere to those embrace those limitations they're they're features not bugs yeah absolutely well we're uh we're coming up on an hour right now we're at uh 58 minutes you got anything that you want to say any parting words so many i think uh we we have a lot to say about this this uh this hobby and a lot of it i feel and i know you feel the same that hasn't been said yeah um you know from our own our own uh what would it be almost perhaps 30 years combined rpg experience whatever it is yeah we'll figure out the number Maybe more. Um, yeah. yeah um there is so much unexplored potential yeah about this 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 wonderful activity um and if you are out there who are uh disenfranchised or dis disillusioned or frankly bored bored um, i know that has to be a big one everything is is exactly the same every youtube video your five top tips for 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 being a productive GM, Eight things bad how GMs do. Yeah, yeah. How to your know, seven tips for dealing with problem players? Like, there is so much more yeah. than what you are seeing. Yeah, and you that what, is uh, is our intention to to show you those things, to show you those things, and help you get there. Because I think that there's yes. a lot of people out there who feel very similar to us, who may not even be able to artic really articulate this. This might be just kind of this, like, they yeah. know that there's something more to this, but they're, you know, they thought when they were going to getting in, getting into a and d game, they had an expectation of what it was going to be. It was going to be this, like, magic experience, and they haven't gotten that. And the thing is, it's not that the there's a problem with the game or your expectation that you, ha you had the wrong idea about what it is. It's that the games that you are playing in and the products that are largely responsible for attracting the sorts of players and and shaping the sorts of players and GMs into what they are uh, are evil. And this is something that that needs to be fought against. And what you wanted to get out of these games originally 
it exists. It exists and you can experience it. And probably one of the best ways to do that is to try and find like-minded players online because it's much, much easier to find them online than it is in person. But uh, the, the potential that you saw or that you thought when you saw that crazy box art on, you know, like... D&D sets or on any role-playing books or even just, you know, when you read fantasy novels, that potential can be realized. And it can be realized every single game. And we're going to get every you Every single game. Regardless of genre, regardless right. of, of setting, and we are going to be going through all of that. If you like fantasy, if you like sci-fi, if you like horror, uh, if you like pulp, yeah. um, there's, there's something uh, amazing to be found. Um, in under, every, under every rock. Yeah. So I think that's that's basically it. Do not give up hope. There is hope, and we're here to bring it for you. Absolutely. All right, man. It was great talking to you, and I will see you next week. Later on. <laughs>